Welcome to Fanboy and the Hater, a podcast hosted and produced by Mike Hall and Jim Harris, where we discuss the best and worst in movies, TV, and pop culture, edited by Jim Harris, and music by Mike Hall. Let's talk about a movie that took an eternity to be released, then felt like an eternity when we're watching it. Jim, what did you think about The Eternals? Unlike you, I believe, I waited until it hit the Disney Plus streaming service. I did not go to see the movie in the theaters. I had no great interest in it. I kind of watched it by default once I saw that it was available on Disney Plus, mostly out of curiosity. And I probably could have just skipped it. <laughs> <laughs> I won't say it was bad, but I definitely won't say it was good. I would say I definitely didn't need to watch it. How about you, Mike? Let's just say I couldn't even remember if it was released on streaming first or if it was released in the theater. Theater first, because you you went to see it in the movie theater. Yeah. Well, I remember I saw it right away when it came out, but I couldn't remember if I saw it once or twice. And then when it was available for streaming, I'm like, oh, sweet. I'll have to watch that sometime. So that goes to show my thoughts. We're recording this a few days after it hit streaming in the United States. I think it came out on January 12th in the U.S. on the Disney Plus streaming service. So we're recording only a few days after that. I don't remember when it came out in theaters, but for me, it's been less than a week since it's been somewhere where I could get access to it since I chose not to see it in the theater. I already watched it once, and my thought was, I'll watch it yesterday evening, and then watch it again this morning, and just get a bunch of notes together. And I watched it last night, and about 54 hours into it, (laughs) I decided to pause it to use the bathroom, because it had been a while. And I'm thinking, you know, it's got to be near the end. I got to be getting close. I was only halfway through. So that's my thoughts on Eternals. (laughs) probably going to be a short episode ironically for this incredibly long let's just put it this way i liked the snyder cut and i thought it could have been longer this movie feels like it goes on forever and it's like 40 minutes shorter than the snyder cut (laughs) yeah exactly exactly so like you said it's not I, i wouldn't say it's a bad movie but it's definitely not a good movie it gets Less and less interesting to me the longer it goes. Yeah. Going into it, I don't care about spoilers. When you saw it in the theater when it came out, I had you tell me what the movie was about because I didn't care. I'd never heard of the characters, knew nothing about the comic books because I'm not a comic book guy. You told me basically, for the most part, the big picture of everything that happens in the movie. Didn't spoil anything for me. So I knew some of the things going in. And as the movie started, it wasn't too bad. But as it kept going on, I find myself getting less and less interested in it. Yeah. It took what would be a very, very interesting premise. Yes. And made it not interesting at all. Let's just jump into the plot in general here. I'll give a quick summary here. Basically, it's celestials, which are the cosmic gods, more or less, that created 
and maintain the universe. They're born by consuming life force of intelligent beings and then emerging from the planet, which then kills off the planet and everything that's on it. They use deviants to clear all alpha predators so the life can flourish onto the planet, and then Eternals stop the deviants from killing the intelligent life, more or less. And then in this movie in particular, this process has been going on for billions of years. This movie, uh, Earth and humans are thought of as special by this group of Eternals, and so they're torn between their mission and their feelings for humans and wanting to save them. That's about it. And you would think with that, there would be a lot of heavy thought and a lot of heavy feelings and and just a lot of pull one direction or another. <laughs> but really, at least me, when I was watching it, I'm just like, oh, I wonder what they're going to do. And that was about it. The reason that I laughed at one direction was because of the post credit scene. Oh, is that who that person is? Yeah. <laughs> I saw somebody say something about him being like a pop star of some sort, and I'm like, okay. I would agree. The premise of a movie sounds impressive. A real epic scale, big things happening. So you would be thinking that this is going to be potentially pretty awesome. And for me, it was very underwhelming. (laughs) (laughs) Right, exactly. It's also kind of weird because, like, it seems very out of place in the MCU because the MCU has generally been, I mean, over the last 10 plus years, gradually building up to these massive stories. And this, to me, it almost felt like, what if, like, Infinity War and Endgame were one big movie and that was how the entire MCU started? And we just met a whole bunch of characters all at once battling this really epic thing but it was all one big movie with nothing that came before it so it was kind of weird to me that they would have this huge epic thing all happen in one movie and it's like one of the things that's great about the mcu is you get invested in the characters and you get invested in their story because it spans multiple movies and multiple arcs and different interactions and stuff like that just try to cram all of that into one movie, which seemed very un-MCU-like. Yeah, to me, if they would have made this movie maybe more about the Crow Deviant storyline and never had the Celestial in Earth yet, like they don't even know about that yet. The whole thing is this one Deviant killed one of them, took their power, and is slowly murdering them one by one and taking their power and they got to find a way to stop them. That in itself could have been a much more fun movie, but they, they did what I would call the Spider-Man effect of they just had too much going on and not enough invested into what's going on for us to get invested in it. Like you said, it, it's big, it's huge, and at the same time, it just seems so far away and ridiculous that you, you just can't get into it. It's big and it's huge and it spans characters that span the entire history of the Marvel Cinematic Universe but yet we have never seen them before. And they have not gotten involved in anything before, which I want to get into that a little bit later. But one of the things that struck me as I was watching this is like, would this have worked better as just like a complete standalone movie that wasn't a part of the MCU? Because then I wouldn't be thinking about the things that we're, we'll talk about later about, well, what about Thanos? And what about Ultron? And what about... 
what if it had nothing to do with any of this and this was just a completely just standalone movie? Would I have been more invested in the movie? No. <laughs> it still doesn't work. But it was bothering me, the big MCU. It's like, this is huge, but it does not intersect with the MCU at all. And that was just annoying me while I was watching it. But after I finished watching it, it's like, I don't think it would have been better if it was a standalone movie that had nothing to do with the MCU. I still wouldn't have liked it. Right, because it's full of so many plot holes and just stupid things of like, why would they do that? Why would this happen? All kinds of that stuff that the only thing that makes it interesting to think about is the possible connection with the MCU. Right, of which there is none. (laughs) (laughs) Yet. Well, I mean, that's why I get it. It's so weird. They introduce us to essentially 10 new superheroes in one movie that we've never seen or heard of them before, unless you've read the comic books. I don't know anything about the Eternals comic books. And then also, not to jump ahead, but then they also kill some of the characters off. How are we supposed to get invested in a character that you kill in the same movie that you introduced them in? Again, it it just felt very un-MCU to me. I don't know. It just didn't work for me, I guess. Maybe over-harping on the MCU thing, but... Well, you got to realize, too, though, is, yeah, they killed them off, but they're synthetic beings with multiple copies. I was going to come back to that later, too, of that that also irritates me, too. It's like, well, not only is it superhero stuff where are people really dead? There's an even more, which was the point that you just already said. Well, they're actually not really dead. The ones that are, quote unquote, dead will probably just show up in a future movie. Why? For exactly the reason you just said. They're not real people. They're just fancy robots. There's lots of copies of them, which makes my investment in them as a character even lower than the movie already made it. Yeah. Which means I do not care about these characters at all. I know that there will be another movie. I don't care. (laughs) I know that they'll probably intersect with some of the spacey stories. Maybe they'll cross paths with the Guardians of the Galaxy and Thor and Captain Marvel. I don't care. Yeah, to me, this is this entire movie was just a setup for Guardians of the Galaxy to me. There are some good things about the movie, so I'm not want to just completely trash it. Yeah, I mean, there are some good things, but the plot's not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I said, it's it, it feels like it should be more interesting than it ended up. And I think that was a problem. That's probably why these are mostly unknown characters is because they're just not that interesting. So they just never got big. Let's go ahead and and jump to, uh, since we're on plot still, let's go ahead and talk about the parts of the plot that you didn't like. Namely, how they should have been involved in previous MCU movies. So one of the things that they mentioned that you set up off the top is that, so there's a celestial that's basically growing inside the planet Earth. And it needs a certain amount of intelligent life to be able to consume the energy, I guess, produced by that intelligent life so that it can burst forward. So wouldn't it have been really, really bad, not just for Tiamat, the celestial inside of Earth, but all celestials everywhere for Thanos to do his snap and wipe out half the life in all of the universe? Shouldn't like the celestials been like, we got to fucking stop that, not just on Earth, but everywhere, all Eternals stop Thanos. So that's my first one. Right. And on top of that, Thanos is an Eternal. 
Well, I was going to ask that question. His brother is an Eternal, because we meet his brother in the post credit scene. If Thanos is an Eternal, does that mean that Thanos is also not real? But I'm going to put that on the side for a second. Well, I'll, I'll just answer that real quick here, real quick. So they're actually, they're Eternals. Sometimes Thanos is thought of as a deviant from that era, but they're Eternals that were made by other Eternals. So they're not like core Eternals. A copy of a copy? Yeah, exactly. They're, it's a weird thing, comic booky, timey-wimey, that kind of thing. So some Eternal photocopied his scrotum, and that's how he got Thanos. It explains the chin. <laughs> So why wouldn't, because they made a very brief illusion, like they brought up, that was the only part they tried to address is like, why didn't you stop Thanos? Oh, because we were told not to. But they even said, it's like, oh, he snapped away a half-to-life in the universe. That delayed the emergence, which was the creature growing inside the Earth coming out. But it should have delayed all emergences everywhere, and that should have been a really bad thing, and the Eternals should have been told to stop Thanos. For the Earth side of it, for that one, I think somebody somewhere I saw did the calculations and figured that we would repopulate within a couple hundred years or something like that. A couple hundred years, as far as the Celestial goes, is nothing. So, yeah, whatever. Let Thanos do his thing. Doesn't even barely... I mean, that's like a stoplight, you know? It's not really going to throw us off course. We'll be fine. But when you go across the universe with maybe different species that don't repopulate as fast, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, your point is valid. It's something I was thinking of, too, when I was thinking it through. There's no reason why Erishim wouldn't have been like, hey, uh, stop that guy. Stop that guy. <laughs> and I mean, the answer is an out of movie context answer. The answer is because the Eternals were not in the MCU yet. <laughs> is why they didn't fight against Thanos because they weren't in the MCU yet. So Thanos is, is an issue, and that's the only one that they address. But I'll take it back at another level. Ultron was creating an, an extinction-level event. If the city of Sokovia had been dropped in the Age of Ultron, it would have been like the effect of like a comet hitting the Earth, and it would have killed all sentient life on the planet, because that's what Ultron wanted to do. He wanted to kill all humans. Why didn't they try to stop Ultron? Because arguably, Ultron was a greater threat to the emergence than Thanos was, because Thanos at least left half the population. Like I said, someone said, oh, this delayed them. We'd eventually repopulate the Earth. Ultron would have killed all the humans. Why didn't they stop Ultron? Yeah. So I've got two possible answers to that. Okay. One... The Celestials probably plan on a certain percentage not working because something like that might happen. So it's already built into the plan that some may not emerge. And then B, maybe the Celestials just aren't paying attention. And so they've got the Eternals have their orders and their orders are only interfere when deviants are concerned. And they're not paying attention. They're not watching. So they didn't even know it was happening to tell them, hey, stop Ultron. Now, Thanos, I would think, would bring their attention. They would have sensed the, the stones being used. And again, stop that guy. Stop that guy. But Ultron probably went under the radar. Okay. I mean, the other ones are lesser. Like, I, I would even toss the battle of, the original Battle of New York in the first Avengers movie in there because the Earth was being invaded. It might not have necessarily wiped everybody out, but it was a pretty big threat to the survival of humans 
and kind of a part of this whole thing is even if they didn't need to because of it wasn't really a threat to the emergence, part of a plot of the movie that also doesn't make sense is after like the mid 1500s, the deviants are apparently have been defeated, which I'll come back to the deviants in a bit. They stay around and some of them become very fond of earthlings, very fond of humans and love humans. Which does not make sense. Which does not make sense. But before we pick up apart why it does not make sense, if they actually care about humans, wouldn't they have wanted to have gone rogue and fought in the Battle of New York, fought against Ultron, and fought against Thanos, not because the Celestials told them to, but because they loved mankind, or at the very least, that five years of fucking chaos after the snap... Wouldn't they have wanted to step in and help humanity rebuild? That's why that whole, some of them really love humans, and that's why they're special Eternals. They've done nothing. So not only did they not get involved in any of the Avengers-level threats, they didn't help humanity at all. So I call bullshit on the love of humanity subplot because it doesn't fucking make sense. It doesn't make sense for other reasons, but I lumped that into... That's the other reason I could argue why they should have gotten involved in these Avengers levels threats. That's fair enough. First off, let's just get out of the way. Humans are trash. I don't understand why they liked them. Yes, that too. But I have another reason for that. But go ahead. I mean, they made it clear throughout the whole thing that they really weren't supposed to get involved in human affairs. But some did anyway, already. But by getting involved and helping out, they're... You know, in their mindset, they're altering the the progress of humanity, which gets into a plot point that I don't like is if they're there, ultimately their their goal is get enough people on the planet so that the celestial can emerge. Why can't they get involved in that? If they knew that that was the if they were just told that was the mission to start with, why all this? Oh, let humans evolve their own way. That's stupid. Set it up, make life easy for them, let them just breed like rabbits, get that Celestial out of there. I agree with that. Plus, only two of the Eternals actually even knew what the hell was going on. Right. But to your point, it's one of the other things I put down. It's like, forget about the Avengers-level events. We had one brief scene where we see 1945 Hiroshima, the dropping of uh, nuclear bombs on Japan, causing a great deal of angst for the inventor Eternal. Fastos. Why wouldn't he be like, um, we got to take all nuclear weapons away from humanity. They could blow themselves up. He could argue from a I love humans perspective. Ajak would be like, yeah, that would fuck with the celestial plan that I haven't told you anything about. But yeah, we got to take the nuclear weapons away from the humans. They didn't do that either. So fuck you again on the I love humanity. You're fucking sub plot doesn't fucking make sense. Yeah, I agree. There's just way too many plot holes with this one. There is. Now, back to the other reason why it doesn't fucking make any sense that they care about humans, I would say it doesn't fucking make sense that they even look like humans. They're fucking robots. They have gone on millions, across millions or billions of years on missions like this to other planets. They shouldn't look like humans. They should just be like blank slate robots or like I know vision like where they just basically change their physical appearance so that they look like humans. So when they do have to interact with the people who live on the planet, they don't run away from them thinking that they're monsters. 
So on Earth, they should have changed into looking like humans when they arrived and altered their appearance as necessary over the years that they were walking around amongst humans. Because if they go to some other fucking planet where the Eternals send them and it's a planet full of reptiles who run around on all fours, humanoid looking fucking people would freak those people out. It doesn't make any sense that they fucking look like humans. So one thing that I do know about Eternals is every time they're reborn, they can change how they look and even change their gender, change everything about them. So they don't really talk about it in the movie, but I'm assuming that when they were remade for Earth, they were remade in the image of humans. That would have made more sense if it was explained in the movie. But that's also why, again, one of the other sort of not to drift into this area, but one of my other sort of general criticisms of the film is this is less a movie for me and more of a commercial for the MCU. And what I mean by that is the early days of the MCU were rightfully criticized for being very male and very white. And it almost seemed like this was a diversity campaign. Let's not only make 10 new characters. I don't care about comic book accuracy, but they even flipped the genders of three of the characters so that there would be more women. But let's have almost no white people, a lot of women, and let's also make sure we get racial and ethnic representation, sexual orientation representation, age range representation of both young and old actors, and let's even throw in someone who has a disability and someone who has a mental illness. Let's try to have as diverse of a cast as possible so that we can reach as many demographics as possible and as much of an international audience as possible with the way that the cast has been set up. Again, I would argue it makes no fucking sense in the movie, but that's the reason why you have the cast that you have. So a lot of that actually does pull from the comics. I know you said you don't care about the comics, but it does actually pull from the comics and the gender swapping actually happens in the comics too. When they're reborn, they'll swap gender sometimes. I know, and that wasn't addressed in the movie, and there have been multiple versions of the characters, just like any comics run, and in some of the comics run, some of them were women. But they specifically set up this cast. Hey, look, strong female characters are really woke and in right now. We're going to make the leader of the Eternals a woman. Okay, we kill her practically immediately, but that's okay, because we make another woman the new leader, but not the white one. We didn't pick the white one because we're super woke. We picked the non-white one or one of the non-white ones. To me, it just felt all so fake and forced. I'm not going to disagree with that feeling forced. And, and honestly, I think that there's a part of me at least that thinks that or wonders if they chose to make this movie just because of how easily adaptable it would be for diversity. Because otherwise, I can't really see, see a real reason to make this movie. The characters were relatively unknown. It doesn't really do much. It, if anything, it actually pulls away from the MCU as a whole. So that's my only thought on that. That's exactly what I mean when I think that this feels like more of an expensive, long commercial for the MCU and not a movie in its own right, because they have that forced diversity. Representation is important, and diversity is important, but this felt like it was pushing too hard. 
Like, it doesn't really make any sense that Kingo looks Indian. Like, again, if you put him on the planet and then at a certain point during their 7,000 years on Earth, it made sense that when he moved to India for some reason, he should change his appearance to appear Indian so he could fit in with the rest of the culture. That's fine. But, oh, no, let's keep all away with it and let's make him a Bollywood movie star. It's like, that's just such a cop-out, hey, India has a billion people in it. Bollywood's really popular. Let's make him not only a Bollywood star, but let's put a Bollywood dance sequence in the movie so that people really, really know that we want to sell to the Indian international market. It's stuff like that that felt incredibly forced to me. The reason I found it more acceptable is because I was thinking of it along the lines of anywhere in the world they need to go, they've got somebody that can blend in with the people. So they've got somebody that can represent them to the people in that area that look like the people in that area. So that's the way I was able to justify it to myself. I could buy that justification if that was woven into the story of the movie. It also doesn't make much sense to me, like, why they even have Sprite say, it's like, why would the Celestials make me like this? Why do they have a young kid? Or for that matter, why don't they at least have the ability to appear like they aged? I mean, we find out that most of the Eternals themselves don't even realize that they're not real. Yeah. So they think that they're actual people. And they find out that they're basically like fancy robots. They think that they're aliens from the planet Olympia. We find out that that planet doesn't exist and they're not real because they were created by the Celestials. Why would they want to create people like that? And again, furthermore, I would even go back to one of the earlier plot points, the whole idea that the Deviants were created by the Celestials to wipe out the Apex Predators, but they said that they screwed up and allowed them to evolve and they became Apex Predators themselves and threatened the population on the planets that they needed to thrive. So they had to create the Eternals to hunt down the Deviants so that they wouldn't interfere with the natural evolution of the planet. Why, after they go out and kill the Deviants, why don't they just get sent back to the spaceship and plugged into their alcove? Why do they even need to walk around at all? Put them on standby on the ship, and when and if a Deviant shows up, Activate them. Go kill a deviant. Are you done? Okay, go to sleep. We'll wake you up if we need you again. Why do they live among the population of the planet? For a movie. Because it's a movie. (laughs) That's the only reason. I agree. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make sense. From what I understand the books, it's a lot more... There's a lot more to the stories. And like, the Eternals can't breed together, but they can breed apart from each other. So there are kids and stuff. But then the kids will grow old while they don't. There's all kinds of stuff from the books that aren't really in this. And we'll see what, what ends up happening. But again, this movie doesn't really tell you any of that. And it doesn't make sense. If they're if they're basically androids, why aren't they just shut down and then restarted as needed? Why don't they just have their leader just sitting in the ship watching, scanning for deviants. And once the deviant shows up, hey, let's go. And also, going back to our earlier point, like I said, as the population of the planet evolved and it became more pronounced racial and ethnic differences in different parts of a planet just alter the appearance of the android so that you can send someone to a particular area that will blend in with that area but then we would have to hire more actors and we probably wouldn't be able to get big name actors because they were only you know in part of the movie <laughs> Again, 
for reasons and stuff of movies and things. Right. But for the plot itself, it didn't really make sense to me. And again, they tried to like humanize them in a sense of like Sprite. They end up letting Sprite get turned into a human at the end because she was passed around like Kingo basically abandoned her because he said he got tired of having to move every five years because it was freaking people out that she didn't grow old. Right. None of the other Eternals had that problem. Like Kingo says, like, hey, my great-great-grandfather, my great-grandfather, my grandfather, and my father, I'm a part of, like, a five generations of movie stars. So it's like, no one else had a problem of, how come you're not getting older? Although, again, if any of them stayed in one place long enough, they would have that problem. Kingo just found a way around that by just pretending to be his own son and grandson to make it seem, hey, that's why you look like the guy that was in the movies before, because you are the same person. Right. Whereas all of the Eternals would have had to move around a lot for that reason of, even though they're not kids, after like 20 or 30 years, people are like, how come you never get old? How come you never get sick? So they would all be moving around a lot. Although, again, why they're even bothering to live off of the ship anyway doesn't make sense. So, yeah, why did the Celestials make a little kid? What would be the point of making an Eternal that's deaf? Again, it's cool to have representation of someone who's hearing impaired, but is there a comic book reason for that character to be deaf? Yes, there is, actually. So the idea of the Eternals, from what I understand, I actually just watched a video on them to to learn some of this stuff. The idea of the Eternals was, like, all of them have the same base powers of, like, strength and stuff like that, but they can give up parts of some powers to focus in to make other parts stronger. And so that character focus so much on being the fastest being to exist that ended up actually losing ability to hear and speak in order to get that much faster. Okay, that makes sense. But this movie says none of that. Says none of that. Plus the fact that they have that when they arrive and they also speak American Sign Language. Again, it doesn't make sense. They taught American Sign Language. Again, if they had introduced that type of stuff into the movie that they had taught stuff. Like the builder guy like wants to teach humanity about technology. Like he wants to introduce the steam engine centuries too soon. That allusion to something like that. Why not have some of the Eternals interacting with cultures? Like Thena essentially, I guess, was maybe the inspiration for the Greek goddess Athena. May may have made a brief allusion to that. But why weren't they more directly involved or... And again, the more you look at it, the the less it makes sense. Yeah, if they'd have taken their time with it and actually followed some of the comic book stories, it would have made more sense, but they didn't, and so it doesn't. And maybe it would have been better as a series instead of a movie, because then maybe they could have had, like, each character gets their own episode, and we see more about their history and maybe some of the explanations of why they have the powers that they have and why they, they look the way they do and why they interact with the cultures that they interact with. And even more of an explanation of why can't they do stuff? Like, I mean, a lot of times it just comes out, Ajax is like, don't do not do that. Well, why? Plus the whole idea that only two of the Eternals even know what the mission is. What did the rest of them even think that they were doing? Like, Speedy Girl is just living on the ship waiting, can, can we go home now? So she just thinks that they're waiting around to go home. What do the other ones think that they're doing? Why are they still on Earth if they don't know what the plan is? They're kind of told by Ajax to just go live amongst the people and learn about them and watch them. And 
Well, she says, go have your own life. Why? Plus, again, I don't quite get the whole... She says at one point, you know, that, that she doesn't question the Celestials because she's served them for millions of years. Their memories get wiped. So she's the only one whose memory doesn't get wiped? Correct. So everybody else gets their memory wiped. So I don't get it. I mean, other than they show Thena having basically PTSD and a mental illness that she's actually remembering that they are killing everybody. And she actually, which why why it makes sense that she tries to kill the Eternals because they're basically indirectly responsible for killing everybody on the planet. Right. So it kind of sort of makes sense. But she even doesn't know why. And they just basically, and even the leader's like, oh yeah, she's cuckoo. We should keep her on the, on the ship because she's gone cuckoo. And, and the others basically are like, oh, yeah, she's, she's cuckoo. Yeah. Again, it's just too much stuff crammed into a movie that didn't have enough time to explore its own ideas before they just rush right into the plot of a movie. Yeah, but I would argue, too, if, if they tried to make this into a series, the characters aren't interesting enough to warrant that. Like you said, if they if it would have made more sense if they would have dove into, like, given each character an episode in a series... But really, individually, the characters are weak, uninteresting. They're not well-rounded. There's nothing there. It, it would have failed miserably. And that's part of my problem with it is, okay, you've got Icarus, super badass. And then you've got finger guns. And then you've got, like, the super fighter lady, which, I mean, she's cool. you got Gilgamesh, super strong. But then why are a few of them so strong while the other ones just suck? Why is Sprite, she can make illusions, but can't really do magic or anything. So, like, she's basically useless. And then, for the most part, oh, I can change rock into water. I can turn this bus into rose petals. That's about all I can do. That's fun, right? Until we need it to be something more powerful, and then we'll just have it happen so that she can... And just happened randomly when she's thought for thousands of years that she can't do it. Right. And now all of a sudden, she I mean, she had an interesting power that wasn't used very uh, effectively in the movie and just made the ending kind of seem stupid to me. But yeah, like you said, some of the characters like uh, the mind control guy. Druig. So I guess he can't mind control the deviants. So he's another one of those guys who's basically useless. He can mind control the humans to use their weapons to attack the deviants. What would be the point? Like like you said, there's only like, of the 10, there's only like three or four who actually have combat skills. Right. Or combat effectiveness. And if their entire point is to kill the deviants, then that seems pretty stupid. Right. Plus, Ajax, the leader, can heal herself and others but they all also have some level of regenerative ability. So she's also useless against the Deviants. So it's like, yeah, that doesn't make much sense. Yeah, if their whole point is to fight Deviants, what good is mind-controlling humans on fighting Deviants? Right. What good is a random illusion in fighting Deviants? That's my whole point. If, if they'd have balanced them and made, okay... Yeah, Sprite can make illusions, but is also strong enough to actually fight somewhat. Or, oh hey, Fastos can make things. Why isn't he making weapons to augment the other people's powers? And making them even stronger and making them fight better. Why is he focused on making a plow for humans? 
when they're not even supposed to be helping the humans. Again, going back to that inconsistency, it's like, what was the point of that if they're not supposed to interfere, even though they don't know why they're supposed to not interfere? Because they also don't know, the only thing that they're told is that they're supposed to defeat the deviants. Right. Why wouldn't they get involved? And, and again, some of them break their own rules. Again, it, there's no logical consistency to the story, which this, again, it just made me lose more and more interest as the movie went on. It's like, I don't, if you're not even going to put it in, into an, any effort, I'm not going to try to put any effort into paying attention to the story if you're not going to do anything with it. Right. So it looked like it had, at, at times, throughout the first half of the movie, it seemed like it could have had some potential to go somewhere, but it doesn't actually go anywhere. Yeah. I, I think part of the point is, like, for the characters, together they're strong, but separately they're crap. I mean, finger guns could have been awesome, but then he's got to, like, sit there and charge up a super Hadouken in order to be able to actually do anything. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense, and... He sits out the final fight. So, like, when they actually need fighters in the final conflict, he says he agrees with Icarus, but he's not going to get involved, which also doesn't make sense because they have this thing at the end sort of explaining how they survived and how Cersei was able to tap into the Celestial. It's like, oh, as the Celestial was emerging from the Earth, we all got connected to him and lifted up. And one of them's like, oh, I guess that's how we don't die every time this happens. Because when it normally happens, the Celestial bursts forward, he grabs all of the Eternals so that they're not destroyed, and puts them back on the ship. But Kingo doesn't know that. So they're going to go fight in the battle, which if they don't stop the Celestial, he's going to get destroyed as far as he knows. And his whole movie empire and all the humans that he allegedly cares about will be destroyed. But he's not even going to show up to the fight, which doesn't make any sense. And then why he's one of the... The ending does also doesn't make sense either. Why he's one of the ones that gets captured by the Celestial and taken back doesn't fucking make any sense because he didn't do anything. All right, so it makes sense for me why he wasn't at the final fight because he, he agreed with Icarus, but he said flat out, I can't fight you guys. You guys are my family. I'm not going to fight against you, but I can't fight with you because I'm, I don't agree. I agree with Icarus. So I can see him sitting it out. And then the final scene, the Celestial pulls all of the Eternals that are left on Earth. The other Eternals got on the ship and left. Oh, so we're supposed to believe that they left on the ship before the Celestial showed up? Because I thought they were on the ship looking for where the Celestial took the other three. No, no, they were out looking for other Eternals on different worlds. So they decided to leave. Maybe I just missed that. So they decided to leave, but the other three decided to stay? Yeah. They were leaving to go teach the other Eternals that are on different worlds what happened and what the mission actually is so that they can stop. And that they're not real people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but of course, why the Celestial couldn't just grab all of them before the three left that left Earth on the ship left. Just go there and grab them all and take them all away. The director of the movie actually said that that was the original ending. That at the end of the movie, the Celestial shows up and takes the characters who didn't die, puts them on the ship, wipes their memory, and the movie ends with them flying off to another planet. And to the illusions that we had talked about earlier, it also would have made perfect sense why the three dead ones would also be on the ship as well, because they just used another copy to replace the ones that got killed or, or who killed themselves. And that was kind of the way the movie was originally going to end, which would make more sense 
but still doesn't make the movie better. I was say, that's not really any better, but yeah. It isn't any better, but doesn't really make sense that they, the Celestial wouldn't have just grabbed them all. Plus, I didn't quite grasp why the Deviants absorbed the powers of the Eternals that they killed. I didn't quite understand why. They don't explain it. I don't get it either. Other than the Eternals, they are powered, so to speak, by the power cosmic or cosmic power. One of the two. So maybe it absorbed the cosmic power. Yeah, I don't know. They don't really say. I'm sure it's something from the books, but I didn't read them. The only other thing I wanted to say about the characters, I wanted to dip into the acting real quick. The acting, it was okay. I mean, none of them did a bad job, but it wasn't exactly a uh, wide range of acting abilities in this either. I mean, I, I believed all of them were the characters, but not difficult to be those characters. No, and, and some people actually have tried to use the movie to defend itself because some people criticized that some of the acting was flat and emotionless. And others have said, well, that's because they're not real people. They're androids. So maybe that's why, like, Cersei doesn't seem to emote. Even though she seems to care a whole heck of a lot about humanity, she can't emote to save her fucking life. But maybe that's because she doesn't understand emotions because she's an android. Icarus is just a cold, unfeeling dick. Why? Because he's an android. He's a cold, unfeeling dick. So some people have said, if you want to say the acting's bad, you could also say that the acting's good because they acted like androids. <laughs> it's like, I've even heard that as the excuse for why the sex scene, the quote-unquote sex scene, is so bad because it's two androids who don't know what sex is having sex. Yeah, that sand, I mean, it's rough, it's coarse, it gets everywhere. <laughs> I will not engage with that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The The acting is at least consistent. Nobody, like, out-acted anybody else. They were all cold, fairly emotionless, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Really, the only one that I actually liked as a character was Gilgamesh, and that was because he was funny. Yeah, he, he had a more well-rounded character-ness to him. And he, he was funny, and he, I mean, I, again, none of them really got much to work with. But yeah, we, it, it was unfortunate that he's one of the people who gets killed. And he had almost kind of an interesting story. But yeah, he, we don't get much there. To your earlier point, no one really broke character or anything like that. They stayed in their character. But most of them, again, didn't really have much time to develop anything. I mean, Kingo is played by a guy who's a comedian, so it's not unusual that they plumbed his character for comedy yeah but some of the other characters just didn't have i mean sprite again it, nothing gets explored much but you can you can understand her anger at being why is she a little kid because she wants to be an adult and she has a crush on icarus well again they didn't know that they were androids she just thought she was a girl who can never grow up right and icarus and cersei were supposed to have basically they got married not too long after they got to Earth and basically were in a relationship for thousands of years. And I've never seen the only two actors who have had worse on-scene chemistry would be the <laughs> reference that you made earlier would be to go back to the prequels <laughs> and go back to Anakin. I knew you were going to go there. Go back to Anakin and Padme having absolutely no chemistry. 
Cersei and Icarus had absolutely no chemistry. And even Cersei and Dane, Dane was charismatic, but he felt like, why would he even be in a relationship with this woman who's given him nothing back? Yeah. It's like she had no chemistry with him either. She had no chemistry with either of her two love interests in the movie. I mean, they are brothers. <laughs> From the north. <laughs> yes, winter was definitely coming. That's why they were so cold-faced. Yes. Do you have anything else you want to say about the plot or the characters? Druig's whole point about how he could have used mind control to basically make the humans less warlike had the potential for like an interesting subtext about how he could have maybe improved humanity, but they don't go anywhere with it. But they also undercut it by essentially having him living with his own cult of human followers in the Amazon, who were basically just worshipping him and protecting him, which kind of undercuts his whole benevolence of, oh, I can make humanity stop fighting amongst itself. But I kind of saw that as uh, he was showing how the way he mind-controlled that group made kind of a utopia in that group. But again, they don't really explore it. If they had gone somewhere with that, it would have been interesting to see, but they didn't. Yeah. And again, they have both Gilgamesh and Thena essentially, I guess, withdraw from the world because Gilgamesh just basically babysits her for centuries. So nothing interesting there could have happened. Well, they they'd had to find a way of getting all of the other ones off the board so they can focus on just a few because trying to focus on 10 and build out 10 characters is impossible in a movie. Exactly. Yeah, 10 was too many characters, and even killing off three of them didn't help enough. It was just difficult to, to balance. They should have maybe had a, a smaller cast, and then maybe they could have focused on some of those stories. So I guess the only other thing about the plot aspect or the story aspect is, so the ending, they stop the Celestial from bursting forth and destroying the Earth. It starts to emerge earlier and some earthquakes were happening all around the world, which is how they kind of got tipped off that something was happening. But volcanoes were exploding and the celestial partially comes up out of the middle of the ocean. Um, shouldn't that have caused like cataclysmic effects all around the earth? In the real world, relatively recently at the time of this recording, a volcano exploded in the Pacific and caused a tsunami that threatened the lives of several small island nations in the Pacific Ocean from one volcano exploding. Shouldn't that celestial partial emergence have, like, fucked up the planet? Oh, yeah. All I was thinking throughout that, I guess both times I've seen it. I don't remember if I've seen it two or three times now, but yeah, that's all I'm thinking the whole time. I'm like, oh, yep, Earth's destroyed. Yeah, it would have had to have partially, like, cracked the Earth's core, and they turned it in—I wasn't sure at first. I thought she froze it, but then she said she turned it to stone. So you have a partially emerged celestial turned to stone stuck in the middle of the Earth. That's got to fuck the planet up. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, if nothing else, what does that do to the planet core? Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, the Earth's gravity should be all fucked up. Yeah. Because of that partial emergence and it got turned to stone. 
all the tectonic plates should have been causing earthquakes and volcanic eruptions all around. This should have been major, major ecological disasters unleashed all across the Earth, even though they stopped the Earth from being completely destroyed. The C in MCU does not stand for science. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it definitely does not stand for science. (laughs) It is not the Marvel scientific universe. Oh, that's funny to me on so many different levels. (laughs) For the record, I do know how to spell science. (laughs) Yes, that was a joke. Mike knows that science is not spelled with a C. But yeah, it should have still caused major ecological disasters and catastrophes, even stopping the celestial from fully coming forth. Anything else? Every time you poke at the the plot, everything is it doesn't make sense. It's like, why would the celestials not have just stopped them? Again, it just, I'll just stop poking at it because, again, the more you look at it, the less it makes sense. And it just doesn't make any sense. I agree. Fully agree. But I do want to f- wrap up on one very positive note. This movie looks gorgeous. It is a very pretty movie. The color schemes that are used are great. The way that each character kind of has their own color scheme, but there's also the gold color scheme throughout the entire group. And the way they use kind of the shapes and everything. And I just think it looks great. Yeah, like I said, it, it's a uh, pretty cinematography with pretty CGI and pretty people. Yeah. Let's go ahead and wrap it up. What do you got for your metaphorical rating, Jim? My metaphorical rating is the externals. Because this grand epic storyline has absolutely nothing to do with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Because despite being on Earth for over 7,000 years and being on Earth for the entirety of every event in the MCU, these characters were never involved in any of those stories. They were external to them, and now all but one has left Earth. So any future storylines that may be happening on Earth, they will also be external to and not be included in. So what the fuck was the point of this movie? None. Mike? All right. Well, I'm glad you answered your own question. So my metaphorical rating on this one is Animal Planet. It's just interesting enough to watch, but you're not going to be telling people, hey, you need to go check this out. This is really good. But if it's on, it's, it's interesting enough to watch and think about. That's about it. Do we want to talk about the post credit scenes? Why? sure so post metaphorical ratings (laughs) the post credit scenes one of them again was what we had alluded to when i laughed at your one direction in an unintentional reference earlier that they have star fox played by the former lead singer of one direction once again another one of those hey let's try to appeal to yet another potential demographic Millennials liked One Direction, right? Let's make Harry Styles be in the movie as Thanos' brother in the post credit scene. So now people are wondering, oh my God, there's going to be another Eternals movie and the One Direction guy's going to be in it. Yeah. I mean, Star Fox actually has a very long-standing Marvel history. Like, he's, he's around a lot, especially when you get into his power and the way he uses it. It becomes interesting. But I'm actually more interested in Pip the troll that teleports him in because he's pretty big in the guardians of the galaxy stories 
So I'm interested in that, and that's why I say this is just a big commercial for Guardians of the Galaxy, because that post credit scene just becomes obvious. Okay, they're matching up with Guardians of the Galaxy. That's the only way it goes from there. And Pip is voiced by Patton Oswalt. Yeah, that's pretty cool. He's one of my favorite comedians. And then the other post credit scene is alluding to, I mean, the character had an unnecessary role to the plot of the movie, but he was technically in the movie. The character that becomes Black Knight yeah. is shown almost getting his sword, and then you also hear a voice cameo off screen of Blade. Yeah. Alluding to, I don't know if there's going to be a separate Blade movie and a separate Black Knight movie, so I don't know if that's setting up two different things or if they're both going to be in the same movie. I'm guessing they're going to be in the same because they were in a group together in the books. Again, I'm not excited about it because I don't know what's going to happen yet. Especially this year of Marvel things, I'm trying to not get excited about it until I've seen it. I've been largely disappointed this year. We're only 16 days into the year. (laughs) Rolling year. This rolling year. The post-Endgame MCU, like we've discussed in in a previous episode, has been largely disappointing to me. I was already a casual Marvel fan, but each movie is making me less and less interested in seeing more of the Marvel movies. Yeah, they got to turn it around. They got to turn this franchise around and fast. Otherwise, DC is going to creep up on them. (laughs) Yeah, I don't care about ever seeing any of the Eternals characters again. I don't really have all that much of an interest in the whole Black Knight Blade thing. And to be honest, Spider-Man No Way Home made me a lot less interested in the next Doctor Strange movie. My enthusiasm for Marvel continues to decrease with each new thing that they roll out. Jim hates everything, and I just disliked this movie. That's an excellent summation of our podcast and our thoughts about this particular movie. Thank you for listening to Fanboy and the Hater. We really appreciate it and would love to hear your feedback. Give us a rating. Write a review. Reach out to us on Twitter at Fanboy and Hater. Email us at thefanboyandthehater at gmail.com. You can find all of our episodes on our website, fanboyandhater.podbean.com. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Where you can download the free Podbean mobile app for Android and iOS. You can also find us on all major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and many more. Once again, thanks for listening to The Fanboy and the Hater.